right, good morning, Arkansas. Your morning show is on the radio. Good morning, Kelly Perry. Good morning, Brandon Baxter. Here we are. Today's Wednesday, June 23rd of 2021. I just had this random vision. I had this memory of a summer trip. You know, you see right now, a lot of people are on those summer vacations, and we didn't do a bunch of those as a kid, but I'll never forget my grandfather, Pop. He decided he wanted to take all of the grandkids and, you know, his kids on this family vacation to Galveston, Texas. Hmm. Galveston. Basically, yes. I think it was Galveston. Maybe it was Corpus Christi. Anyway, it was down there to the Gulf, right? We were going to be on the beach and all that kind of stuff. And I'll never forget that he put all of us in like one big like vehicle, like a big passenger van where you could put the whole family in there, almost like a church bus. Because <laughs> uh, Pop was a car dealer and he always could try to find good deals or he knew a guy who had something, right? That was kind of how yeah. he operated. I'll never forget, you know, it's uh, the middle of summer in Texas and we're going down the highway and everybody's kind of uncomfortable because there's like seven grandkids and we're all kind of obnoxious and... The parents, the adults in the vehicle are really not uh-huh. wanting to be there because Pop's driving down the highway. I'll never forget the air conditioner going out. No. And how mad it made everybody because it's the <laughs> middle of a sweltering hot summer in Texas and we're all packed into this van and the AC goes out. <laughs> that wouldn't have been good. Then we got down there to the beach and one of the things Pop wanted to do was he wanted us to catch crabs and take them inside for a crab boil. But most of the time when you catch them... They're the smaller ones. Oh, they are. I uh, haven't done that very many times. Mm. But the deal was we got out there and we're, we have nets. And like, I hated that because I didn't want to have to be in the water. I was scared of the water, scared mm. of sharks, scared <laughs> of jaws, all the different things. And my anxiety kind of took over. And uh, I'll never forget like all the other ones, you know, because I had more adventurous cousins. Oh, they're all out there having a great time. And I just wanted to go inside. <laughs> <laughs> like a little girl. Um, but I'll never forget, we got all these different crabs in a bucket. And then I'm like, well, what do you do with the crabs? Like, how do you have to fix them? Do you know how you fix them? Do you know what you do? Yes. And it's terrible. Did you hear the sound? Yeah. Traumatized. Because <laughs> then they get this big old vat of water going and they start throwing these suckers in there and they're screaming. You know what I'm saying? As a kid, that's traumatizing. No, that's a high, I would not have, I wouldn't have served. That's bad. Yeah, so that was our summer vacation story. <laughs> and y'all wonder why no, I am the way that I am. No wonder you don't want to go to the beach. I don't want to do anything. I've been traumatized. Stuck in elevators, <laughs> church vans with no AC, hearing crabs scream. Uh, today, though, is National Typewriter Day. So, Have you ever even typed on one of those? Oh, I've had two of them in my life. Oh, wow. I forget you're a little bit older than me. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, by about a month. <laughs> but my grandmother worked at an office supply store in Dallas, Maple Office Supply. And she would, uh, like, for like gifts, because I like to type. Of course you did. Of course I did, right? Uh-huh. My other cousins were hunting and fishing. <laughs> I wanted to go typing. Guess how many words a minute I just got. So I got the old school typewriter first. Then I got the one that had uh, the ribbon where you could actually go back and erase on the Ooh, typewriter. And, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Huge deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also National Hydration Day, an important day to make sure you're hydrated. I mean, your body's made up of so much water. If you're not really treating yeah. it with water, that ain't good. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, National Let It Go Day today. It's a day mm. where the things that are stressing you that really aren't doing any good, to, uh, there's no reason to be stressed, right? Because what good is that going to do? Yeah. Still has either happened or will happen. Uh, let it go. Don't deal with the stress. Let it go. Let it go. I am one with the wind. So let it go today. So let it go day. It's also National Pink Day. Celebrate the color pink. Yeah, pink, let it go. 
used to wear a lot of pink. All the time. And you know why I did it? I did it to be a rebel. A rebel. Because most guys at that point weren't wearing pink. So I thought, hey, if I'm bald and I have tattoos and earrings and I wear a lot of pink, I'm going to stand out. Well, you did. Yeah, and here I am now wearing gray and blue jeans and boots. <laughs> How things change, y'all. Let's throw one back on This Day in Country Music with Brandon Baxter in the morning. So the year was 1991, and Garth Brooks had the number one song in country music on this day. The thunder rolls, the thunder rolls, and the lightning strikes, another love grows cold. On a sleepless night As the storm blows all out of control Deep in her heart The thunder rolls This is all about an angry woman who is set out to get revenge Mm. Watch out for girls like that 30 years ago today, this was number one She's waiting by the window When he pulls into the drive she rushes out to hold him Thankful he's alive Uh-oh. But all the wind and rain A strange new perfume blows Uh-oh. And the lightning flashes in her eyes And he knows that she knows And the thunder rolls And the thunder rolls You better watch out, man He's coming to get you Thunder rolls and the lightning strikes. Another love grows cold on a sleepless night. As the storm blows on out of control, deep in her heart, the thunder rolls. advice in the song, guys, don't wrong your woman. Because <laughs> they're going to get you. <laughs> they will get you. It's Garth Brooks. The Thunder Rolls. It was number one on this day in 1991. Brandon Baxter in the morning. Right, here it is, Wednesday morning. Thanks for having us on. And y'all, as always, Kelly Perry. Well, she's got three words for you. Good morning, Arkansas! Brandon Baxter in the mornings. Gotcha gossip. All right, gotcha gossip today on Britney Spears. All right, so we've heard all about this conservatorship, right? Where basically she can't make her own decisions. Mm -hmm. She can't make decisions on her money or any of the stuff that really uh, relates to the Britney Spears estate. It's kind of a big deal, and we've heard that she's not happy. That's where the Free Britney movement came from, and people are like, hey, she should be in charge of her life. She's better now. So apparently, Britney had uh, done some court documents back a number of years ago where she described her conservatorship as oppressive, and she felt that it was very harsh and that she's sick of being taken advantage of by people who just want her money. Now, if you remember, her father has been the guy at the lead of the conservatorship for a long time, which really makes you think, wow, she's really kind of fighting against her dad, but not trying to directly attack him mm-hmm. because that's kind of the story. Here's what Brittany gets right now from the conservatorship. Let me remind you, she's worth 60 million bucks. 
tons of money, right? She gets 2000 bucks a week. She's worth $60 million. Basically, the conservatorship tries to control who her friends are. Also, it uh, regulates her personal business decisions, her, mm. her actual personal decisions. Uh, and even they'll tell her, no, you can't change the color of your cabinets, Ooh. which is really crazy. And she says that she's tired of being taken advantage of. And she's the one out there working, earning the money. And everybody else is on the payroll trying to get paid from her. So Brittany will be in court today. I believe it's going to be via Zoom. I don't believe she's actually going to walk into the courtroom. But that's going to be a big story as we go throughout the day today. What happens in court? With Britney Spears. Gotcha gossip on Vin Diesel. So rumors have floated around for a while that Vin Diesel and Dwayne The Rock Johnson didn't really enjoy working together on the Fast and Furious movies. And they haven't openly feuded in years, but uh, Vin might have just started something. <laughs> so in the new issue of Men's Health, this is Vin Diesel. He says, quote, tough love, the tough love approach is what soured their relationship. So I was kind of like, hmm? What's that mean? All right. He says, again, this is Vin Diesel, quote, It was a tough character to embody, the Hobbs character. My approach at the time was a lot of tough love to assist in getting that performance where it needed to be. He added, as a producer to say, okay, we're going to take Dwayne Johnson, who's associated with wrestling, and we're going to force the cinematic world's audience members to regard his character as to someone they didn't know. It took a lot of work. And I'm sitting there going, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. This is Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who can charm anyone. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if maybe, maybe he just wasn't, maybe he just didn't say the right words. But I don't know. Do you think that The Rock will come back with anything? Or, I don't know. That will aggravate The Rock. I There's think no so doubt. <laughs> Even if he doesn't respond publicly, he's going to be like, what is he talking about? Right. Because, again, The Rock had a movie career way before the Fast and Furious stuff. Yeah, and this comes out in perfect timing. F9 comes out this Friday. That's going to be big. Right. And, you know, Kai hasn't seen any of those movies, and I was kind of like, I wonder if that's a fun franchise because he loves cars and fast cars and stuff like that. Yeah, and I don't really think that you have to watch every single one to enjoy one of the those movies. Because it's like fast cars and action. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But is there a lot of cussing? I do not personally know that because I... Don't watch all that. All right. You don't watch cussing movies. movies. I did not say that. I oh. said I don't watch Fast and Furious. You're not getting on your bad side. Okay. Today. And gotcha gossip. Speaking of cussing, gotcha gossip on Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Hart has been named the most potty mouthed celebrity on Twitter. <laughs> so there's a website who went out and they were researching recent tweets and they realized out of the last 3,000 tweets that Kevin Hart has sent, he's cussed 954 times. So one-third of his tweets have bad words in them. Wow. So Kevin Hart is number one on the list. Number two on the list is a female. It's Brandy Glanville. Oh, yeah. Then it's 50 Cent, Cardi B, Charlie XCX. So it's going through, like, who else cusses a lot on Twitter? Because I don't cuss on Twitter. Yeah. You cuss on Twitter? No, I don't cuss on Twitter. <laughs> Halsey cusses on Twitter. She's number 14. What about, I was, I was totally shocked by this one. Anna Kendrick. Really? She is really funny. She's a cusser. The Rock cusses too, but out of the last 3,000 tweets he sent, he's only cussed 218 times. Oh. But nobody in the world of entertainment <laughs> cusses more on Twitter than Kevin Hart. And of course, every morning here on Brandon Baxter in the morning, we got you gossip. Sometimes there's stories that just make you feel good. Ah! I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. With Brandon.
Brandon Baxter in the morning. All right, so a New Hampshire restaurant. They're in there working really hard at this place. A customer comes in. He orders uh, a number of things, chili dogs, fried pickle chips, and some drinks. Mm. His total bill with tax, $37.93. He leaves a big tip, one of those big tips where he's trying to tip the restaurant. The tip he left, 16000 bucks. No. He spent basically $38, left a $16,000 tip. And they said that they really weren't paying attention on the credit card statement because he ran his credit card, left the tip on the card. Uh, and he said to the people, hey, don't spend it all in one place. And he said that a couple of different times. And they were like, wait a minute, what's he talking about? They flip over the credit card deal and they realize he left a $16,000 tip. Oh they said, oh my gosh, are you serious? And he said, yes, I want you to have it. You guys work hard. Which is really sweet. Wow. Big story. There's also a story, good news story out today on a family from England whose dog ran away back in 2010. The dog was a little Jack Russell Terrier. Its name was Crumpet. Ran away. The poor puppy was only three months old. Gone. The family went out and searched for two weeks trying to find the dog. No sign of the dog. They get a call this week. No, there's no way. 11 years later, the dog is found because of the microchip. The dog has been gone 11 years. We're not sure where the dog was. If the dog was wandering, probably not. But if somebody picked up the dog and was like, hey, I'm just going to take care of this dog. And all of a sudden the dog got out or whatever. But the microchip came back to the family who lost the dog. And they've been reunited Mm -hmm. after 11 years. Brandon Baxter in the morning. Something different about Kelly this morning. There's a little more of a a glow, I think. Are you glowing? Are you tan? I did am. you go tanning? Well, no, I didn't go tanning. But well, actually, I guess I did. Well, a lunch kind of turned into me. I went and had lunch with a friend, yeah. and we got to catch up and stuff. And she had some time, and she also has a pool in the back of her yard. And she was like, "Hey, what are you doing the rest of the day?" I was like, "Actually, today's the first day in a really long time I haven't had a lot to do." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I'll go hang out at the pool." So probably, and y'all are y'all aren't gonna believe me. This is dead serious truth. Just because I work in the summers, mm-hmm. you know, um, I have not laid in a pool like on a float in probably uh, three to four years. Like it's been a long time. Yeah. And so I got to go on a float. Like it sounds silly, doesn't it? But for about an hour and a half, two hours, I just laid in a pool and floated, That's and nice. it was like the greatest two hours. I've had in a long time. And there was, there. it costed no money. I just right. got to sit there and float. No, and I, I remember because we had a pool in our last house and it was nice when it got to be warm like this and you could just get out there. And typically it was at the end of the day when you just wanted to chill and you're like, okay, this is pretty awesome. Yeah, and I, I didn't get much sun this past weekend, even though it was like a nice weekend and it was just really nice. And then, you're, this is going to freak no, you on, out. I'll, I'll, I don't want you to go further. Oh, wait. So you, you went and you got out in the pool and all that stuff. Do you remember when you came to my house uh, for the 4th of July and it was like 107 degrees <laughs> and everybody was in bathing suits and swimming and grilling and stuff like that and you had on a if long sleeve sweatshirt and long Brandon, pants? Brandon, number one, I had on some yoga pants. Long and then yoga pants. They weren't long. They were below my knee. And then I had on a tank top. Multiple I didn't realize I was going to swim. That's after you pushed me in. I didn't push you in. You charged me like an idiot, and I, do- I just stepped out of the way, and you went flying into the pool. That's a true that story. That is true. She came at me like she was going to push me in, it and I just moved. Too, yeah. And she goes, <laughs> and here she is in yoga pants, a sweatshirt, and falls into the well, pool. Okay, so I already know your question. Yesterday, I was not wearing yoga pants. I had on a bathing suit. Oh, you did? Yeah. 
That's good. Whose was it? It was mine. <laughs> did you wear your friends? I, don't, I had to find it. I had right. to dig one out. So what was the next step? You did the swimming? And- yeah, so I did that. And then she had another great idea. She's on a, on a tennis team. And I used to play tennis a long time ago, and I, but I hadn't played in like 10 years. Yeah. And she was like, why don't you go to our tennis practice tonight? And I started giggling. I was like, absolutely not. And she's like, no, seriously, it's fun, blah, blah, blah. So I went home and I put on some clothes to go play tennis and I ended up going and playing tennis and I haven't done that in like 10 or 11 years. Wow. So yesterday was like, even though it was nothing and most people are like, oh, good job, Kelly. (laughs) I do that every day. You got in a pool and played. Like it was great for me. So it was, I don't know. Are you good at tennis? I, I'm decent. I mean, I can, I can volley it pretty well back and forth. I want to go play tennis. I haven't played. I lived in the links at one point, like in 1998. Yep. I think that's yep. the last time I played tennis. It's like, I love, I absolutely love tennis. So. Yeah. But it was really fun. You should get out and go play. You seem kind of refreshed today. Like you got to feel like you started over. I am. I need to do that more. So yeah. everyone get out and do something for yourself. Even if it's floating in a pool. Yeah. For 30 minutes. It's like I tell my wife with uh, like my workout, it's mm-hmm. my one hour for me. Yeah. You know, that's if I like doing that, that's my one hour I get to focus on me. I don't have to worry about anybody else. So True. make sure you take care of yourself. I mean, it's important how you take care of yourself allows you to take care of other people better. I know this sounds crazy. Believe me, I know it. It's crazy. That sounds kind of crazy. You must be crazy. And people are crazy. Well, weddings are back, which means wedding fights are back. Two guys in Ohio decided to crash a wedding, and they ended up regretting it. 29-year-old Justin and 22-year-old William showed up uninvited to a wedding in Mansfield, Ohio, and they tried to walk off with a case of beer. So the groom tried to stop them, and William started swinging. He landed at least one punch. Then his buddy Justin jumped in to help him until a bunch of wedding guests broke it up. So wait a minute. The groom is in a fight over the beer. Yeah, he saw some guy he didn't know taking off with his beer, so he decided to go to go get him. Well, the reception was at the, the county fairgrounds, and they told cops they were at a nearby horse show when a guest at the wedding told them to swing by. So they claimed they were invited, sure. but obviously no one told them to walk off with all the beer. They're facing charges for theft, trespassing, and disorderly conduct. Speaking of crashing a wedding... During a heartfelt chat with her friend about relationships, a wife sighed and said, You know, if something happened to Lloyd, I don't think I could ever marry again. Wow. And her friend nodded sympathetically. I know what you mean, she said. Once is enough. (laughs) (laughs) And there's even more proof that people are crazy. Alrighty. (laughs) Brandon Baxter in the morning. And Kelly Perry, I have one question for you. Are you ready to celebrate some local people? Let's do it. Let's do the birthdays. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Well, well, well. Time for birthdays for today, Wednesday. It's June the 23rd of 2021. Local birthdays, local celebrities. Here we go. Happy birthday goes out to Justin Case Holmes from Harrisburg, who turns 12 years old today. Jordan Sills of Jonesboro celebrates our friend Amanda Falberg. She's celebrating a birthday today, so happy birthday. Happy birthday. Rebecca Herrera of Truman. Happy birthday. Lisa Young from Wynn celebrates West George of Rogers, Arkansas. Happy birthday. Lindsay Argo celebrates today. And Jenny Box. 
She celebrates a birthday today as well. From Jonesboro, of course, the wife of the guy who hired me to work here, Kevin Box. So. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Jenny Box. And if you have a birthday today, we say this. We say... Happy birthday to all y'all, and you celebrate with these celebrities. Brandy Rhodes is 38 today, AEW superstar, wife of the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. And you know what? What? I have a backstage photo of me and Brandy Rhodes. I kind of told her, That's hey, my, right. my wife wanted a picture of me and you together. Oh, is that what she said? Yeah, so give me a hug. Uh-huh. <laughs> Brandy Rhodes, 38 today. Melissa Roch is 41. That's Bernadette on <laughs> The Big Bang Theory. All right. Jason Mraz oh, is yeah. 44 today. We did some Jason Mraz music when I was on the pop station yeah. down the hall. Well, if you've got the poison, I've got the remedy. The remedy is the experience. This is a dangerous liaison. I assist the comedy. Is that a Happy birthday to Jason Mraz, who celebrates My today. It's no more, no more. It cannot Jason Brass, 44 years old today. Katie, uh, Katie Tunstall is 46. That's, uh, she sings a song, Suddenly I See. Yes. That song. So that was a big hit. Let me see if I can pull yeah. that one up for you because I think most people will remember. Let me see if I can find it. Where Suddenly is it? I See. Why am I having That's the only part I know. Well, thank you. It sounds like yeah, that is all you know. <laughs> Let me do this one first. She also did uh, the Black Horse and the Cherry Tree song. All right, KT Tunstall celebrating a birthday Ooh. today. It's going to take me too long to do the other one. I'm already late. So. <laughs> Joss Whedon is 57. That's the writer and director of The Avengers and The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Randy Jackson is 65, the American Idol judge who reunited with Journey. Yep. And June Carter Cash would have celebrated a birthday today. Yeah, so we could do this one. Just so you know, that I is think- not... That might be. That is not June Carter Cash and Johnny Cash. I did not know they sang that. Yeah, I'm going to Jackson. We're just late, man. Look out, Jackson Town. We'll go on down to Jackson. Go ahead and wreck your hell. Go play your hand. I'm late today. I didn't have time to prep because that went long. Uh, today would have been the birthday of the country legend June Carter Cash. Brandon Baxter in the morning. Right, Wednesday morning is here. Thanks for joining us this morning. And y'all, as always, Kelly Perry. Well, she's got three words for you. Good morning, Arkansas. This is Country Music News on Brandon Baxter in the morning. All right, we have Country Music News today. On Carly Pierce. So, Carly Pierce was surprised by Dolly Parton. And the story is, is Carly thought she was there kind of just to to pay tribute to Dolly Mm -hmm. and talk about what Dolly meant to her and her career and to music and all of that. Carly Pierce is on set, has no idea that the real life Dolly Parton is there. It has a big invitation for Carly. Here's the audio. Oh my God. Get in here! 
Are you doing something for Dollywood or something for Dolly? Or something for Carly? Hi, girl. How are you? We set this up so I could kind of walk in on you because I wanted to surprise you. First of all, I just wanted to tell you how proud I am of you. Do you know that she started singing at Dollywood when she was 16 years old? You do remember, don't you? (laughs) And I know that they told me that you had been on the Grand Ole Opry 80 times you've performed? Yes. How do you do that? Like 80 times? Oh, my goodness. I'm just I trying mean, to follow in your footsteps. Well, but you should be a member of the Grand Ole Opry. What's wrong with them? I agree. Well, I came here today to tell you, you are now an official <laughs> member of the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> well, you can't do it sitting down. It's really sweet. I mean, number one, you're inducted into the Grand Ole Opry, and it's Dolly Parton who does it. No, I, I would be completely speechless. And you can tell she doesn't know what to say. She's really oh. impressed. She's got her, her mouth or her hand over her mouth. It's sweet. Yeah. Anyway, that video's up all over social media if you want to check it out today. And welcome to the Grand Ole Opry, Carly Pierce. We have country music news today on Kenny Chesney. I want to know how forever feels. So Jimmy Buffett has had several Nashville shows scheduled for next month, but that didn't stop him from surprising people and playing a pop-up show at a rock club across town. So the show wasn't announced. So imagine you're going, uh, there's a pop-up show, it's Jimmy Buffett, and all of a sudden he brings out one of his buddies. And it's Kenny Chesney. So wow. the show featured some of his hits and, of course, some some surprises. But on his own Instagram page, Jimmy shared footage of a few of the songs. Um, and it looks like it would have been a good time. Here's some of it. That's cool. You ever been to a Jimmy Buffett concert? I haven't, I haven't either. But imagine the excitement of, hey, in 30 minutes, I'm going to play at the Exit Inn. Right. I know. And all of a sudden, you're at a, at a, at a show for Jimmy Buffett and Kenny Chesney walks. You in. had no idea that you were going to go, and boom, there they are. So yeah, that's fine. cool. It's up on Kenny Chesney's social media today as well. And finally, country music news on Morgan Wallen. I love you more than a California sunset. Morgan has been doing his work to try to get better and try to uh, kind of rehab his career after the altercations, the incidents that happened earlier this year. And we're starting to see more of Morgan Wallen publicly on his social media. And it seems that he's had one guy who's been there with him over the course of the last few months, who's been there as a friend to support him. And that one guy is Eric Church. If you remember... A month or two ago, we saw that Morgan Wallen and Eric Church went out fishing together. Now there's proof of them out there golfing together as well. So anyway, yeah. uh, I think it's neat mm-hmm. that Eric Church has gone back out because he actually spoke out against what Morgan said. Yeah, He said he wasn't proud of that, wasn't happy with that. Uh, but it looks like they're working through that as well. So Morgan Wallen's putting in the work and gets to hang out with Eric Church. That's your country music news on Arkansas's Morning Show. Brandon Baxter in the morning. All right, so Coors, the beer company, has seltzers out. Of course, everybody's in the seltzer game mm-hmm. because that's become a big game, right? Yep. Girls want the seltzers and all that. Uh, but Coors is doing something different, too. They're also coming out with what they call a boozy ice cream. Ugh. So it's going to be alcohol-infused ice cream. But let me tell you the first flavor that's coming out. It's going to be done by Coors. And it's going to be the orange cream pop flavor. Done. I love it. 
with which has al- which has the alcohol in it as well. I thought you were just going to say it was going to be like ice cream that tasted like beer, like fr- oh, basically no. like frozen beer with ice cream in it. No, it's not going to be like that at all. It's going to taste like the old creamsicle or a cream oh. soda, but it can actually, um, you know, have alcohol in it too. So. Oh. Yeah, I have already placed the first order. The truckload will be delivered to my house the this summer. Load. So y'all can come over. We can have a little party. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. All right, Dr. Shane Spites joins us this morning on the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Powered by Family Zinc, it's Dr. Shane Spites, who is the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine, at Arkansas State University, he is our COVID expert. Unfortunately, he gets my texts when I have questions. Uh, Shane, how are you this morning? Morning, guys. I'm doing good. Man. How are you? Hey, it's yeah. good to have you back. I told you, uh, and again, it seems like every couple of weeks I have a question. And uh, Shane regrets giving me his number mm-hmm. because I'll just text him out of the blue. <laughs> and like legit, as busy as you are, because I mean, you are running, uh, you know, basically a school for doctors and future doctors. It's a big deal that you do. Um, but you always take time for the community. You take time to help people. And I think that's one thing that I've learned about you over the course of this pandemic is anytime I have a question and really it's not just me, it's anybody who has a question. You're right there with answers, man. Well, we try to, you know, it's been one of the, again, one of the biggest things that's confusing for just really the average person is getting decent information. It's just, there's so much, I hesitate to use the word, but noise out there that you can get, you know, misinformation or you can go down the wrong path unknowingly. So we, you know, at NYIT and certainly myself, we try to step out there as much as we can and put good information out. It's wild that you mentioned that because we had a a conversation about um, somebody in our family who had kind of received some information that wasn't all the way factual about COVID and and kind of the way you and I were talking about it, and I think we should do it publicly too, is nobody is spreading information or most people aren't spreading it knowingly spreading false information. But the problem is, is there's so much different chatter out there. It's hard to navigate what's true and what's 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 fact and what's fiction, I guess. Well, and uh, and also to that point, you're exactly right. I, I, I think 100%, I think the vast majority of people want to be able to share information factually. I mean, who wants to be known as somebody who's sharing misinformation? Right. But it, this is such a rapidly still changing landscape that something that was true a month or two months ago may not be true now. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe pieces of it got mixed up. So uh, it's just hard to keep up. It really is. Let's break that down further into the exact question that I had for Shane. I think this will be fully transparent. Uh, we had a family member who had uh, received one dose of a vaccine. Uh, and the thought was, I have one dose. I'm 90% protected. I don't think I'm going to go back in for the second dose because I heard sometimes the second dose makes you feel worse. So my question to Shane was, hey, is this is this accurate? Or there was somebody else in the family who had uh, some type of an ailment and they were worried that, that the second dose might fire up that ailment. Uh, the facts have changed so much on this because while the initial deals were, hey, one dose of the vaccine could prevent you from you know, 85 to 90 percent of the of the of covid. That's completely different now. Those numbers are not true because of the variants. That's exactly right. You're spot on. And what we said and, and that actual comment was, hey, one dose of the vaccine. I really don't need the second dose. Mm-hmm. You know, we still encourage people to get the second dose. But that was more true back in really like last January, last January, you know, this past February. You know, yeah, that was probably some truth to that. But now that's old news because we have so many variants out there now. And the biggest variant, which is taken off now, which is the Delta variant or the Indian variant, you're only 33% protected with just one dose. Right. You have to yeah. have both doses or you have really no protection. 
Yeah, so for people who hear the word variant, and again, you know, I think now it's part of, uh, of vocabulary, but maybe they really don't understand what the variant is. There was an initial yeah. strain of COVID that was the primary strain in the U.S., and then the variants, I guess with, with most disease, uh, there are variants that kind of change over the course of time that, that might change the, the structure. Uh, is that accurate? Like, is that what the variant truly is? It's, it's basically a small alteration? That's exactly right. It's basically, it's like a genetic um, ancestor, so to speak. So it's almost like if you think about your family tree, it's like, yeah, okay, so your son, your son kind of related to you. Mm-hmm. He's not exactly the same person you are, but genetically, you're the same mm-hmm. in terms of you're your similar. And so the virus can do the same thing. And it happens more often when it jumps from person to person, you're going to see more variants. Well, we saw all that happen in the November, December, January period, and that just set us up for the variants. At that time, we didn't really have a vaccine. It wasn't widely available. Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 uh, the virus was just spreading rapidly. And that's where the variants were born out of. And now we're really dealing with those all over the country and all over the globe. And that's why the vaccination is such a big deal. That really tamps down your chances of having multiple variants that are hitting at the same time, which is what we're seeing right now. So if we're vaccinated, Kelly and I are both fully vaccinated uh, our chances obviously go way down as far as even the variants that are out there right now, correct? That's correct. As a matter of fact, the current vaccines, and what I mean by this is, when, and let's be clear, I'm talking about we have three vaccines that are approved in the United States. We have the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Right. The Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines right now are showing protection really against any of the variants that are out there, whether it be the UK variant, there's some there's some reduced um, response to the South African variant, but there's still protection. There's protection against the Indian variant, which is the one that we're seeing most commonly now. And then there's protection against the Brazilian variant. Those are the big variants that we're watching in the U.S. The one of most concern is the Indian or Delta variant, and that's what people are hearing more about right now. Yeah, so how does that get to us in Arkansas? Because from from what I'm kind of gathering from what you've said, you know, it's basically our bodies can slightly change it as we pass it on. <clears throat> but what, right. where do you think that starts, and why is all of a sudden this one worse? Because that can't be traced back to merely one person who whose body changed that, can it? No, what happens is as it changes, and a virus, for lack of a better term, just wants to survive and propagate. Right. And so there are genetic changes that enable it's kind of a survival of the fittest, if you think of it that way. Okay. And so there's things that it changes to be able to allow itself to be more transmissible. So instead of, you know, um, maybe being in a room of five people and only one or two people are infected, now four people are infected. Um, maybe now it actually infects you. Uh, there's more viral load located in your nose and your mouth, which increases the chance of the virus being able to move to somebody else. These are all different genetic properties that the, that this virus has been able to change and actually basically create better characteristics so it could do those things. Um, and then in terms of getting it into Arkansas, well, we're, I mean, we're still a global economy. I mean, that's how it got into the U.S. That's how it moves from state to state. We don't have you know, significant restrictions, so it'll move back and forth. It's going to move in higher areas where there's lower vaccination rates. So areas where there's lower vaccination rates, um, you're going to see more spread. And that should just be common sense for most people. If you're not protected, then you have a higher chance of getting it and spreading it to someone else. So numbers, you know, at one point, a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at numbers and thinking, hey, the COVID numbers are looking a lot better. But over the course of the last couple of days, it seems like I'm reading yes. that, that numbers are starting to come back up. Yeah, here now here in the U.S., we're still kind of on a downward trend, but in the state of Arkansas, we've actually bumped back up. We're averaging 
anywhere from 200 to 250 cases a day. And that's not what we were doing just a few weeks ago. So we have seen an increase in the number of cases in the state of Arkansas, as you said, over the past probably several days, but certainly over the past week. Okay. Um, and so we're, we're not trending in a great direction. I'm not really surprised by this, again, because, I mean, here in Craighead County, our vaccination rate was only hitting 25, wow. 28%. And here on this side of the state, Northeast Arkansas, or so, and following along the uh, our border with Mississippi, we were only hitting like in the 30s or so. Now, Southeast Arkansas, they were doing a much better job. I were seeing better vaccination rates there. So, the counties and the areas where you have lower vaccination rate, you can expre- expect more viral spread there. Let's talk about the vaccination rate uh, across Northeast Arkansas. What does it look like right now? Well, like I said, here in Craighead County, we were bouncing around between 25 to 28 okay. percent. Um, some of the counties around us. Um, really, if you take it as a whole, we're hitting close to 30% or so. Some were better than others. Um, as a state, we're about 38%, I believe, is the last number. Again, that number bounces around. We really plateaued off in the last several weeks, uh, probably the last two to four weeks. We really plateaued off as a state in terms of our vaccine numbers. And there's a lot of things that go into that. I mean, people are, you know, it's summertime. I want to be outside. I don't want to think about this anymore. This has been long and hard for everybody. There's probably not a single person that hasn't been affected by this pandemic. And so, you know, people, for the most part, there's a lot of, you know, I'm kind of done with this, you know, yeah. some pandemic fantasy, and we're talking about the vaccine. Um, it doesn't seem to be an issue. The younger generations, um, you know, it's kind of a mix. There are some that have, that, that are obviously very um, in tune to the vaccine and want it. And there's some that say, look, I think my chances, even if I get it, are low that I'm going to get that sick. Um, and so I don't want to take it. And so we just got to work out the big deal. I think I still believe is this fall. We're going to see some ups and downs here in the state, but I really, and we'll see some spikes, I think, but I think the big issue will be this fall and depending on what variant it is we're dealing with right now, the best estimates are, and everybody's kind of thinking it's probably going to be something of this Delta lineage. So maybe like a, you know, a daughter or a son of, of this uh, strain that we're seeing now of kind of a next generation. That's probably what we'll see. Uh, but still, I mean, we could still see a, a big spike of this current Delta variant in the next four to six weeks, just depending on how um, really how populations move around. Dr. Shane Spites on with us this morning talking COVID in Arkansas. Is there going to be a point where we're done with COVID or is it going to be around for the rest of our lives? Um, we'll always see um, COVID, I think, for a while just because the vaccination rates aren't as high as we would like. And so it's always going to have the chance to jump to somebody else that hadn't been vaccinated or hasn't had COVID. That's the other piece I wanted to mention. Right now, the most recent data coming out about uh, individuals that have had COVID, the protection seems to be pretty good against that initial strain. Mm -hmm. We don't have good data in terms of, hey, I've had COVID last year. Does that protect me from the Delta variant? We don't have good data on that yet. So that kind of remains to be seen. Um, But I do believe certainly for the next couple of years, you're still going to hear about COVID. My hope is that we're not hearing it at the level that we saw it last fall, last winter. I don't believe we'll be back to that. I really don't. Unless something, unless it turns and changes course into a certainly more severe strain of the virus, um, it may be a different conversation. But but I don't believe this fall or this winter we're going to see anything like we had last year. We're talking about percentages of vaccinations, uh, again, a little deeper into that, because one of the things I mentioned to Kelly this morning was I was kind of, you know, questioning the not questioning the science, but the data that's out there. So let's say that we're going to sit across the state. We'll even go on the high end and say it's, you know, 35 to 38 percent of the people have uh, been vaccinated. Right. And that's it. That's a smaller number than we want. 
what percentage right. of the population do you think has had COVID? Is that another 30%? <laughs> that really, no, that's a great question. And that's exactly what you want to you want to delve into. You just say, well, they've got some antibodies. So yeah. surely that offers some protection, which is true. And so when you look at the actual numbers, we feel like about a third or so of our population, maybe a little more than that, um, has actually had COVID. Right. And then again, depends on the depends on each county is different. You know, each state is different. Uh, but we feel good about the numbers um, that we're tracking. But there's a lot of COVID that was spread around that was kind of asymptomatic or, hey, I've got a cold. I'm not going to go get tested. And so there's those numbers out there. We don't know. There's a debate in terms of, okay, how many times higher is the true COVID number than what's being reported? Right. And initially, we thought it was maybe anywhere from five to eight times higher. Now that number's come down a little bit and it's like, well, maybe it's, maybe it's more two to five times higher. Even if it is, that's still a lot of people that have gotten COVID in our right. state that have had that, have some sort of antibodies. Again, the question remains, do those antibodies from maybe a mild infection, is that enough to really provide you protection against uh, like a Delta variant? Right. And we don't have that answer yet. And that's what's so interesting. So if we say it's 38% of the state's been vaccinated, another, let's say it's a third, so 33%, you're up over 70% of people who have had some, some either vaccination or the antibodies, which at that point, maybe we're not doing as bad as we think just based on those numbers. But again, the variants change the whole game. That's exactly right. And that's, that's exactly right. Now that's, what's hard to know that that's really what's hard to know. You talk about, um, you know, total cases and we get numbers out each day. You know, we, we feel like we've got, um, we were making progress for a while in the vaccines, and again, it kind of plateaued off. Um, and so we'd like to see those numbers higher just because we feel like it's not that the um, if you've had COVID, you should still get the vaccine because the vaccine will help protect you from the variants. And we're not positive that you getting COVID will be enough to protect you from a variant. And so we want that extra protection for you and the people around you. And so I think that's the, that's been the biggest push for a while. And I think it's, and it still should be. Um, as the ages have gotten lower, as the manufacturers have done their due diligence to be able to do the testing, you know, you can get, we expect in September to be able to get down to age six. And certainly wow. in terms of the Pfizer vaccine, that would be a game changer for us as we move into, you know, back to school for K-12 and even for colleges and universities. What do you think? Because I saw some some data out, and again, it was a limited number of people, but they were saying, hey, you know, some people, younger people had reacted to the vaccine. When you dive into the data, is that a very small number? Is that something that parents should worry about as we get to the fall? It's really small. And you got to think, and that's one thing when we read about cases of, of reactions, which, you know, you can have reactions to really any vaccine or any medication for that matter. Right. And the more that you give the vaccine and the more or the more that you give that medication, you would expect to see more side effects. And then you want to try to identify, okay, who's at a higher risk of that? You know, are these individuals that have had a previous, you know, um, um, systemic illness to something or a previous allergy to a certain medication? Um, those are the ones you're trying to figure out now. But really, when you think about across the country and across the globe, the millions and millions of doses of vaccine that have been given, the, um, the chance of a reaction is, is extremely small, extremely small uh, for adults and for children, to be honest with you. Um, and so, yeah, these are these are really for the most these mRNA vaccines, Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines are very safe vaccines uh, from all the data that we're seeing. Now we're following some stuff. There was some, you know, whenever something comes out, like there was that thing, the question about the blood clot yep. with the Johnson and Johnson. You dig down into that, you try to find out. There was a new article that just came out yesterday talking about that in JAMA. Um, 
And you say, okay, how often would this happen just in the general population versus individuals that are being vaccinated? Because there is a you know a lot of this stuff that happens. There's it'll just happen. It can just happen by chance in the general population. So you're trying to figure out. Is this vaccine related or was this going to happen to you just because? Does that make sense? No, it does. <clears throat> so as we okay. as we go throughout our day, right, we're seeing more people running around without masks. And it's kind of crazy because it seems like it's just the honor system. Like, OK, if you're vaccinated, it might not be as important for you to wear the masks in larger spaces and outdoors and stuff like that. But then again, you go out there and you're wondering, you know, do these people really have it? Because just because I've been vaccinated doesn't mean that COVID can't get to me. I could be asymptomatic. I could still spread it. Uh, do you think we have uh, figured out the right way to get people back out into public without masks, or is this part of the problem? You know, it it, it was kind of a mixed message. What I would have liked to have seen, and I, when the CDC came out with this, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, I was, it, it's nice because, okay, those that are fully vaccinated, you feel like that you've got, you know, some sense of your life back, so to speak. And right. pretty much the CDC said that, like on their website, they've like, look, if you're fully vaccinated, you should be able to return to normal activities as you did before the before the pandemic. Right. That's a pretty bold statement. But it, like you said, and you're exactly right, you hit the nail on the head, this is the honor system. That means that those that aren't vaccinated are wearing masks and are still kind of following some precautions. And I don't know that I've seen a lot of that. I, you know, I think you, you've got to, and it just it is what it is, you've got a percent of the population that are like, look, I don't believe in masks, and I don't believe in this, and I don't, and I don't think it's going to make a difference. And so you've just got really everybody not wearing masks, yeah. some that are fully vaccinated and covered and some that are not because they just don't want to wear it for, for whatever reason. And there's a whole myriad of reasons why why that happens. And like I said, there'll be books, I'm sure, written on that. Right. But um, it, it does it does get complicated. My, my, my preference would have been to look and actually make it, look, if you've got a vaccination rate of less than X percent, then really you should kind of continue to keep these kind of uh, precautions in place because what we're going to see, and this is just, again, this is just math, in areas with low vaccination rates, you're going to see more cases. Right. You're going to see more cases spread of the variant in those areas. And with this Delta variant in particular, it does appear, we're seeing this in the UK, it does appear that there's a higher hospitalization rate with this variant versus the original strain of COVID, wow. which means individuals that got sick and didn't go to the hospital before, now those individuals may end up in the hospital. And so that's a concern. Obviously, our healthcare workers have been working so hard to get us through this pandemic, you know, and I, I know personally doctors and nurses that are just exhausted. You know, the last thing they want to see is another surge of sick individuals um, through this. And really the way to prevent that is is through the vaccine. Um, it's through the vaccine. And, and, and that's why we we're pushing it so hard is, look, I get it. You don't want to wear a mask. It's a vaccine that just helps everybody. It's wild to me. And this will kind of be the last thing I want to bring up to you today. But um, you know, there's people you see on social media, some people who have been vaccinated and share the photos and here I am getting vaccinated. I want to get back to normal. There's the other side, the other side of the aisle where there's people who are still out there saying, Hey, this is all about fear. They're trying to keep you inside all of that. Uh, even though we have the real data and many of us have suffered real loss because of COVID. Like, you know, we, we've seen that firsthand in our family with uh, people who uh, were elderly, but they weren't sick. And all of a sudden COVID hits and their entire life changes. And we lost uh, Leslie's grandfather. There's still there's data yeah. there that shows it's a real deal. When right. I look at people who are smart people, like I know some of the people who are very intelligent people who still say they're trying to make us live in fear. I'm sitting here going, man, I see it different because of my personal experience. Absolutely. And and your your story is not is not unique. Um, so many people were affected by COVID. And so many people's families were affected by COVID. 
negatively, I mean, you just sit there and you say, how can, how can you say this was, you know, this is made up or how can you say that this is, uh, it's not what it is, so to speak, or not what, what I'm, what I'm seeing and living. Um, and I get it. I mean, again, as a country and as a world, we've never been through something like this in, in, in common times. This is something that happened back in the late or uh, the early 1900s. Nobody's around that really remembers that and remembers the struggles of that time period. Right. So it's almost surreal for people to say, I can't believe this is really happening. Right. And some people just choose to say, I don't believe it's really happening. And, and, I'm, and I'm, you know, I, I don't believe the data and I don't believe the science. And I, don't, and I get that, too. And really, from a science standpoint, we haven't done as good a job as we could have putting the information out. We really kind of fumbled there at the beginning and um, in terms of being concise and informative. Um, I, I, you had... You know, politicians on one side, you had, you know, scientists on the other. I mean, it was just, it was, I think it created a lot of confusion. There wasn't a lot of, of common messaging that was coming out early on about it. And some of it we didn't know, and you didn't want to give information that was false because you didn't really know one way or the other. My, um, it's funny uh, you bring this up. My son, we talk about this back and forth. He made the comment. He said, Dad, it just seems like that, you know, the people, people that didn't understand the science don't believe the people that do. Right. And and that's and that's written. I think right. you know that that's actually pretty correct. That was that seemed to be one of the issues that we ran into. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll do better on both sides. Um, right. And I think I think we can. I think we can. But we can do better on both sides. And when you look at it, there's still plenty of vaccine out there across the country, locally, regionally. It's out there. If you want to be vaccinated, you can uh, you can find it pretty much anywhere you want to go and get those appointments. And and there you are, man. All of a sudden, you know, it's a lot easier. There's a lot more comfort to going back to what feels like almost a normal life once you have the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, it really does. It's been like I said, everybody in my family has been vaccinated. We have uh, my youngest has yet because it hasn't hit his age age group yet, so he's just waiting. Right. Dad, when's it my turn? When's it my turn? I was like, yeah. buddy, it'll get there. We'll get there. So hopefully in September, he'll hit that age group, and we'll be able to get him vaccinated. There you go. He is the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State. He is our COVID expert. He is Dr. Shane Spites, available on all of the social media platforms as well. It's always great to catch up with you, man, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, guys. You guys have a great day. You're listening to Brandon Baxter in the morning. Right here. On the big 107.9 K-Fine. And this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Powered by Families, Inc. Counseling Services. All right, we're joined this morning by our buddy Danny Capalis, Jonesboro Parks and Rec. He is on with us this morning. Danny, what's up, man? Good morning. How are y'all doing? We're doing all right. So Parks and Rec, I would assume you guys are feeling a lot more normal in 2021 than you were in 2020. We are. Things seem to be getting back to normal, but, you know, we still got to take precautions. You know, it was great. We uh, we noticed the other day, uh, and I'll, we mentioned this on the radio, too. Um, we've been out to Craighead Forest a number of different times to take Kai out there to go play and to look for, you know, to fish and all the different stuff. I bet we've been there three or four times in the last two weeks. Uh, I noticed there are a ton of people on skateboards going around Craighead Forest. Is that a new deal? Are skateboards back, or what's up with that? Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're starting to see, you know, your skateboards, your bicycles, your kayaks, uh, you know, canoes, things like that. The individual activities have just, you know, since COVID have have just really uh, skyrocketed. I mean, people are are getting out and doing all sorts of individual activities, which has been great. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the the best products of of the pandemic, and hopefully that'll be something that'll continue. I was talking internally the other day to Kelly and to David, the barrel boy, and I was talking about our experience at the park and 
yeah, how beautiful it is out there and how there's something relaxing about being out there mm-hmm. with the trees and areas of shade and areas of sun and, and all of that. But for people who haven't been to Craighead Forest Park, maybe they, they went out there when we were doing the Fourth in the Forest deal and they saw music and wrestling and all that stuff, and they haven't been back in the last couple of years. It really is. Danny, it's almost like it's a totally different park. There's there's been a lot of changes out here. You know, adding adding the walking trail that's a hard surface with workout equipment was a, a big change to this park. Uh, we're doing a lot of underbrush clearing to kind of open up the park so you can see from from the roadway. Not not anything that's too disturbing to the park, but other than that, just just clearing it so you can actually see and and making the park healthier. Yeah. Uh, you know, myself, I'm actually out here at the park right now doing a walkthrough, and it is just a great place. You know, having having the opportunity to come out here in the morning and and uh, see the park and, and make sure that everything's the way it's supposed to be is, is a great opportunity for me. It was pretty cool. We drove by and, and went out there by the water, and we saw dogs jumping in off the dog jumping deck and all that stuff. And Larry Jackson from Parks and Rec was out there in a kayak tanning. It was really uh, quite a sight, Danny. <laughs> that is an everyday sight, unfortunately. <laughs> He was tanning. <laughs> Tell Larry we said hi. Um, I will. So as we go through, you know, obviously we, we brag a lot about Craighead Forest Park. What are some of the other projects in the city that are going on right now? Because, I mean, you guys are constantly trying to improve the parks. No, we are. Uh, you know, we in the middle of, of, of the pandemic, that was one of the things that we did was go around and look at, at our park system and look at some of the deficits we have. And we... We do. Unfortunately, as nice as the park systems we have, we still have quite a few deficits here in Jonesboro. And we're, we're looking throughout the, the city and looking at those gaps that we have, uh, looking for different properties throughout uh, Jonesboro that makes sense to build a park, mm-hmm. uh, look, you know, building a community center, building outdoor activity space. So we do have, we have you know, between projects and then just, just planning projects, is a, uh, you know, it's a big part of what we do every day within the park system. So I saw a deal the other day about swimming lessons, that swimming lessons were coming up for 2021. And I think this is important, you know, because especially as, as your young kids get out there and, and maybe they're around a pool or they're around water, um, we need to make sure they know how to swim. I remember being taught really early in my life, Kai was a natural swimmer, but for some people it doesn't come quite as naturally and they need somebody to help them with that process. No, absolutely. And we, and we do, we have a wonderful crew right now doing swimming lessons. I believe they're getting close to uh, being filled up. So oh, if wow. anybody's looking at taking swimming lessons, uh, they can go to jonesworld.org uh, to, to find out how to register or just stop by the uh, the city pool there on Nettleton. Uh, swim lessons are, are great. Any kid that had, uh, plans on being around the water needs to go through swimming lessons to make mm-hmm. sure that they're, they're prepared and, and safe to be around the water. Danny Capalis on with us this morning. Uh, we had a pool in our last house, and I guess we had probably four summers in that pool. And Danny, our new house, we we don't have a pool uh, in our backyard yet. Um, so if I want to come out there and get in the water, I can do that at the Jonesboro City Pool, right? Yes, sir. You sure can. So what does that look like for the summer? Are there are there special hours, days, things? We yeah, need to we know? Uh, basically uh, you know seven days a week that pool's open uh, to swimming. Uh, open up at one o'clock, one to six. Uh, uh, basically seven days a week. And then you can actually call our office and uh, have birthday parties, things of that sort. You just get called and, and reserve it and you can have evening swims, things of that sort. So as far as athletics, you know, there's so many different programs that uh, Jonesboro Parks and Recreation oversees and, and organizes with the different parks. What's going on right now as far as uh, sign-up and registration? 
Well, right now we are starting the uh, registration for uh, uh, what would be fall soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be doing registration for our football, tackle football program, our flag football program, uh, fall softball. Uh, so we've, we've got quite a few activities going. We also have NEA tennis, which basically goes on year-round. So they're always taking kids in that program. That activity goes on out at the uh, Earl Bell and the uh, Allen Park uh, Community Centers. If you haven't been to those locations, both those courts have been completely redone. So we've got what appears to be brand new courts at both locations and in a great place where you can go out, especially if you're just a uh, a starting tennis player. Get involved with NEA Tennis. If it's something that, that you haven't done in a while but you want to get back involved, they've got many different levels uh, of play and activity you can be part of. So if people want to find out more about the parks that are out there, if they want to find out about the sports that they can play or any of the information related to Jonesboro Parks and Recreation, what's the best spot to get the information? Jonesboro.org. Boom. That's simple, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Hey, man, tell Larry Jackson we said hi and to put on uh, longer shorts and sunscreen, too. And uh, (laughs) we'll talk to you next time, man. Thank you all so much. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. All right, we're joined this morning by Amanda McDaniel from the A-State Alumni Association. Amanda, how are you this morning? I am excellent. Having a little coffee and uh, getting, getting ready for the day. Do you eat breakfast or are you a non-breakfast person? I am a breakfast person, but I like to do it a little bit later in the morning. I don't like to eat first thing when I get up, but I do have to have something. What's your breakfast typically? I usually make like a little egg sandwich, yeah. um, do a little meal prep at home, and I make those and eat them throughout the week. Is it uh, is it like egg salad or is it like a fried egg? No, it's like a, it's not like a McDonald's egg McMuffin kind of a situation. Ooh, yum. That sounds good. So yeah, like, the other day, um, and I kind of have a weakness for whatever reason, when I wake up, I have a sweets weakness where I'm like, Oh, I want some sweets. And, yeah. and we bought the, we bought the prepared rice crispy treats the other day <laughs> and we bought them for Kai. Uh, but unfortunately dad likes them a lot too. Mm-hmm. And the other morning, yeah. the first one tasted so good. I had to go back for the second one. And Amanda, the second one tasted so good, I had to go for the third oh. one. <laughs> See, and that's that's why those aren't allowed in my home. Yeah. I don't have a child who, you know, my daughter's in college now, so yeah. I don't have one at home to justify buying that kind of stuff anymore. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah, because I took Kai to the store. He normally doesn't go with me, so I'm normally a little, you know, a little better at what we bring home. But he's walking down the aisles with me. And because he went with me, I thought I'm going to get him yeah. some stuff. And he gets all the stuff that I truly, really want. <laughs> All the childhood things that yeah. we want. So, hey, let's talk about the A-State Alumni Association because, uh, you know, w- there was big news that came out uh, that Centennial Bank Stadium for A-State football is going to be 100% capacity. Yes. It feels like that's going to be a huge deal. We're going to have, uh, you know, the spirit squads and the band and I guess myself back on the field, which is going to, you know, it, last year was it was good for what it was, but it was still so different. Uh, it feels like everything is in motion with Arkansas State as we head toward the fall and and football and sports and all that. What does it feel like from the alumni association side? Does it feel like things are getting back to normal? It definitely does. And, you know, my one of my functions at the alumni association is planning our events. And so I was kind of on standby for a year 
because we couldn't have anything. So we're so excited to be able to have some events that we have scheduled. And, like, football season, I think, is going to be amazing because people are going to get to tailgate again. We're going to have our tailgates at the the Cooper Alumni Center building. So we're we're all really, really excited about um, this fall. What are some of the events going on that you have planned? Because, you know, you mentioned events. That's one of the things that is a primary obligation of what you do. And you keep people who are uh, A-State alumni, you keep them involved in the university. But what's happening event-wise that's on your schedule? Well, the first thing we have coming up, I'm very excited about it, is we're going to St. Louis. Uh, we're going to be going to a Cardinals game and also getting a private tour of the Endangered Wolf Center, which is uh, which A-State has partnered with um, to help with some research and things on the Endangered Red Wolf. Oh, wow. So when's this yeah. uh, trip to St. Louis? Um, the trip is July 22nd and the 23rd. We're going to a Cardinals versus Cubs baseball game oh, on wow. Thursday night, the 22nd. Yeah, super excited about that. And then the following morning at 10 o'clock, we're going to go to the Endangered Wolf Center, and it's about 20 miles outside of St. Louis, but it's an easy little drive, and we'll head over there, and we'll get our private tour and get to see some red wolves kind of out in their their element. Oh, that's neat. So I I was even thinking as I was watching Cardinals games this year, I've never been to see a Cardinals game live, and the idea that we can go there with a bunch of friends, and I mean, that essentially becomes like an extension of a uh, Northeast Arkansas party in St. Louis. Absolutely, absolutely. Everybody's invited. We hope to have – we already have over 50 people that have purchased tickets. Nice. So we've already got a, a big group going, um, and there'll be more because we'll have tickets uh, tickets open for sale until, I believe, about July, July the 12th. Um, so we still have plenty of time because I know people are trying to, you know, confirm their summer plans and everything. But this is something you can take the whole family to because the Cardinals have been so gracious to work with us. And we've got two different price points for tickets. Okay. So there's, um, we've got some seating right behind the first base field box for $60 a seat. And then we also have some in the right to loge area, which is just one level higher for only $20. Oh, wow. I mean, if you can get into the game for $20 and have a great seat, I mean, it's, it's something you can bring the whole family to. If people want to find out more on those or maybe they want to get tickets uh, quick, because, again, I'm sure one, you know, there's going to be a limited number. You can't there is. take everybody. Yes, there is a limited number. So there is a little bit of a sense of urgency to go ahead and, and get your seat. Um, you can go to our website, just astatealumni.org, and then it's backslash cards. Um, and that'll take you right to the site where you have the information. We also have a map on there. So it shows you exactly where the seats are in the stadium. Um, and then it also has the ticketing for um, the Endangered Wolf Center, too, which is just $16 for adults, $14 for children. So they gave us a, a really good deal on that as well. You know, I love seeing, uh, and really you see it now, especially on social media, the alumni, the people who are proud graduates of Arkansas State, people who have spent time in Jonesboro, Northeast Arkansas. And really you see them from around the country, people who love to continue to support a state and, and the Alumni Association does a great job at keeping them informed and keeping them involved in their university. Yes, we, we love it. And that's another thing. If you're traveling anywhere this summer, send us a picture of your wolves up on the beach or the mountains or wherever it is you're traveling to. We love to share those photos on our social media channels. Um, and so just whatever, wherever you're at, um, just give us a wolves up and we'd love to share it. There you go. Amanda McDaniel joins us this morning from the A-State Alumni Association. And get ready to go to St. Louis. And again, the website for people to go and get those tickets quickly, Amanda. It's asatealumni.org backslash cards. Boom, just like that. Hey, we hope you have a great day. Yes, thank you so much. Y'all have a good one. You're listening to Brandon Baxter in the morning. Right here. On the big 107.9 K-Fine. And this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club.
Powered by Families, Inc. Counseling Services. All right, we're joined this morning by Brian Nobles, who is here to talk about the NEA Artist Collective and the Summer Art Show, which is happening coming up this weekend. But Brian, you might be known to uh, a lot of people as the dude, the expert behind Porch 30. <laughs> yep, I sure am uh, uh, very familiar with that place. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about Porch 30 for people who might not have uh, been downtown in the last little bit, or maybe they haven't experienced Porch 30. How would you describe it? Uh, so it's an outdoor gardening games area. We've got plenty of plenty of space out there. We're dog friendly. We're family friendly. Uh, right now, Porch 30 is the... Uh, is the name of the entire location. My wife and I run the food truck there, and honestly, uh, all credit goes to her for as far as the food goes. But we also have uh, some other vendors that are coming out there. Uh, campfire pizza, subs, and salads, and Lolly Gourmet uh, Popsicles will be there within the next month or so, but it's wow. an outdoor kind of food hall area. That's tremendous. So uh, I've just now kind of picked up on how much I enjoy the food truck experience, and especially when it's pretty like this. I'm going through your website, and I'm looking at some of the different uh, food options here. Can you give me some of your favorite things that people seem to enjoy? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, my, my personal favorite is the barbecue, the Korean barbecue sliders. So we do Southern Fusion, uh, just some twist on some Southern classics, like uh, we do a ultimate grilled cheese that has a pimento cheese, mm-hmm. um, bacon, caramelized onions, and pickles. Uh, we do... Uh, rice bowls and quinoa bowls try to cater to the vegan and vegetarian and gluten-free crowd. And then uh, the, the probably the top seller is the T-Pong sliders, which is our slow-roasted pork with Swiss cheese melted over it, caramelized onions on a slider bun. And it, it is delicious. So I'm looking at these pictures, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, I think I might know what I'm having for lunch uh-huh. today. So, yeah, it's a perfect day for it. Yeah, tell me about the grilled cheese because I love, like as a kid, I remember I didn't really, I wasn't crazy about pimento cheese, but for some reason I tried it uh, over the last couple of years. And if you get good pimento cheese, man, to me, it's real good. Oh, yes. And my wife is known to turn people who have not previously liked pimento cheese and as well as her hummus, she'll, she'll make some believers out of people that, have, that, that would swear it off usually. Yeah, I'm going to have to try that. So tell uh, people how they can find Porch 30 on social media or the website. Because I think, you know, for people who are trying to, to find new places to go and things to experience, this is something locally that can be a lot of fun. Yeah, so you can find us at Porch 30. You can find us on Instagram or uh, or on Facebook. You can also look us up at Porch30.com, and you can order online there as well. And that shoots straight over to our POS systems, gives us a ticket, and we have pretty low ticket time. So awesome. it's a pretty convenient thing for somebody who's in a, in a little bit of a pinch on, on lunch there. But uh, we're located at 401 West Huntington as well, and uh, you can come on downtown. And, we're, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty good walking uh, you know, a, a walkable distance from Main Street there, yeah. but we're, we're pretty well located right there. Let's be 100% real real quick. You opened up a, a business, right, in the middle uh, or the toward the end of a pandemic. I would imagine that was a little bit stressful, right? It was. That and being <laughs> completely outdoors, it's, uh, it's a risky, risky business there. Yeah. But are you enjoying the opportunity to get out there and do something different in that area? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think this town has needed something like this with all the other big cities offering big outdoor spaces where you can go and enjoy things with family and friends and, and your animals, too. I think that this town really called for something like that. So, again, Brian Nobles joins us this morning here to talk about the NEA Artist Collective and the Summer Art Show, which is happening coming up on Saturday. Uh, Brian, sell me on the art show and why this would be a fun thing to do with our family. 
Okay, so this place is huge. If you haven't been over there, we've got a big fenced-in area, a big fence that encompasses the whole area, which gives the artist uh, you know, an opportunity to be able to hang their art directly on the walls and display it if they want to, or they also have room to put up big tents and big easels and display their art, and we can have multiple, multiple artists, maybe uh, more artists than anywhere else around here could probably house, being that we have all this room. So mm-hmm. assuming the weather is going to work out in our favor, which it looks like hopefully it will, uh, it's, it's going to be plenty of room for everybody to come and mosey around and take a look at a lot of the great local art that we have. So, again, this is happening on Saturday from 11 until 3. What's the location on the NEA Artist Collective Summer Art Show? That is 401 West Huntington, and that'll be right across from A to Z Lock and Key, as well as uh, the Abilities uh, um, retail store there on Huntington. All right, man. Best of luck this weekend, and uh, I'm going to have to come try that pimento cheese pretty soon, okay? Yeah, please do. Can't wait to see you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinch. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. Joined this morning by our buddy. He is the man you need. He is Dr. Kevin Reed. He is man's best friend. He is our best friend and the veterinarian of choice of the Brandon Baxter in the morning radio program. It's Dr. Kevin Reed from Vet Care. In Jonesboro, Parker Road, right next door to us, vet-care.com and uh, Vet Care Jonesboro on Facebook. Hey, Doc, what's up? Yes. Hey, man, we're starting our morning off. Did you know, I don't know if you knew about this, but Kelly has auditioned for a television show and she has made it. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen Botched? Which... Brandon. Yes, I you have. You are such <laughs> a jerk. This is a two-part episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, which, it's taking which up the rest of the season. You, which one are they profiling? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, complete reconstruction over here. Doc. Okay. Uh-huh. So how are you this morning? Everything okay over there? Everything's going great. Yeah. We're going to get started off. Kelly said she picked up her dogs from you over the weekend. And once again, they did not want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they put the brakes on, and she's kind of dragging them out with the leash. Yeah. It's just terrible to see that. But anyway, uh, so Dr. Kevin Reed, he comes on every Wednesday. We do Wet Nose Wednesday. He gives us information that relates to our pets, our dogs, our cats, and, and the you know the people that we consider you know part of our family. So, Doc, what do you have for us today? Uh, we talk about laryngeal paralysis in dogs, which we see with some degree of frequency. Because one of the breeds that it occurs in is Labrador Retrievers. And, of course, there's a lot of Labradors in this area. And, um, you know, the larynx, it's commonly known as the voice box. And, you know, it's that right in the throat there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's it's very important because it's not only where the sound comes from or when a dog barks, but it's also the cap of the respiratory tube uh, or the tubing, you know, the whole system. Um, and so the larynx closes the respiratory tract off when we eat and drink so that we don't inhale our food, get it down into the trachea and then, you know, where it could cause an aspiration of pneumonia. Uh. And then when you, when a dog or us takes a deep breath, the muscles of the larynx expand and open for us. And that allows more, uh, air to be directed in. So what happens with laryngeal paralysis, the abductor muscles of the larynx can't work properly. The muscles that actually open that, uh, that kind of like valve up and when there's no um, expanding and opening for a deep breath those laryngeal folds just kind of they're weak and they just kind of hang there and so it's a very small opening and so when the dog needs to take a deep breath it can't 
Mm-hmm. And that can, you know, just imagine trying to take a breath and you can't and, you know, it creates anxiety in these dogs and that leads to more rapid breathing and more distress. And you can actually get, they can get a respiratory crisis from a partial obstruction, um, which can, you know, overheat their body and that can lead to almost heat stroke type symptoms and even death. And usually in dogs, this, this episode of the laryngeal paralysis itself doesn't come about suddenly. You know, a lot of dogs that have a long history, they pant, they easily tire and walk, so they have really loud breathing, mm-hmm. you know, just almost with every breath, they're making noise. And so, you know, ideally that diagnosis should be made before it progresses to an emergency situation. So, um, you know, the signs, excess panting, a voice change, loud breathing noises or respiratory gasping at times, and then exercise intolerance where they used to could walk around the block or walk forever. They can't anymore. Hmm. And uh, like I said, we see this in, in larger breed dogs. They're usually older. Um, I mentioned the Labrador. You can also see it in like uh, Siberian Huskies, uh, Great Pyrenees, Dalmatians. Hmm. Um, some of these dogs may even have a congenital laryngeal paralysis. And, uh, you know, it can be born with it that shows up you know later on in life. And just recently, there's a new name for it. Uh, it's called geriatric onset laryngeal paralysis and polyneuropathy. Wow! Because we think this is a um, is a, um, a, a neurological condition where it may start out with the laryngeal paralysis, and then they actually can develop some muscle weakness, like in their legs. Um, and we know that the average patient is uh, usually about 10 years old. But fortunately, the progression of the neurological weakness is pretty slow. And so these dogs can, a lot of times they'll live a normal lifespan before the other neurologic weaknesses become a problem. So mm-hmm. um, so the diagnosis is usually you have to sedate the dog and then visually look at the back of their throat while they're, they're breathing. And, and what you'll see in a dog that has this condition is those muscles won't open up fully and won't contract. They'll just kind of hang there right in the center of the laryngeal opening. And... Um, so the treatment for it is usually to get um, relieve the the to relieve it permanently is a, some type of surgical procedure, and the most common is called a laryngeal tieback, where you actually go in and you pull one of the arytenoid cartilages backwards and tack it to the side of the larynx, oh, wow. and what that does it it makes um, you know the larynx stay open. They used to. They would do both sides, the right and the left side, mm-hmm. but these dogs had a higher chance of um, uh, aspiration pneumonia. So now it's just one side, which seems to be sufficient. And of course, there's always post-operative possible complications would be these dogs are prone to um, um, aspiration pneumonia. Since that side is permanently tied, It um, you know they could still aspirate some food or water. And uh, the the other issue is once a dog has this surgery, they should never be allowed to swim because obviously oh, when they're yeah. swimming, they're going to um, inadvertently swallow some water or get some water in their mouth. And with them, those muscles not working properly, um, that could cause an aspiration of the water and even, you know, even some drowning there. So, you know, and unfortunately, when this happens to Labradors, they're, they're water dogs and they like to swim. but. Yeah. That's a big contraindication, you know, it wants one of these dogs uh, has had had the surgery. And um, it's, um, you know, it's uh, we see it with some degree of frequency. So if you do have one of these larger uh, aging dogs, 
and it starts really making a, uh, you know, you're seeing changes in the noise or the bark, the way the bark sounds, or it's just panning all the time, and it sounds like they're really struggling to breathe. They should be examined pretty quickly and, uh, you know, work towards a diagnosing if that's what's going on because it can, you know, can develop into an emergency respiratory crisis, which unfortunately might not have a good outcome. He's the man with the information. He takes care of our pets, our dogs, and our cats. He is the man you need. He is Dr. Kevin Reed. He is man's best friend, our best friend, and the veterinarian of choice of the Brandon Baxter in the Morning Radio program. If you want to find out more about vet care on Parker Road in Jonesboro, you can go to Facebook, search Vet Care Jonesboro on Facebook. They're always posting great information on there. Also, vet-care.com. Dr. Reed, have a great day, man. Hey, you too. We'll talk to you next week. You're listening to Brandon Baxter in the morning. Right here. On the big 107.9 K-Fine. And this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Powered by Families, Inc. Counseling Services. All right, we're joined this morning by Mary Ellen Warner, who's here to talk about the 12th Annual Spring Cleanup, which is happening this weekend for members of the West End Neighborhood Association in Jonesboro. Mary Ellen, welcome to the show. How are you this morning? Good morning. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on with us. You know, we all have this vision that we want uh, our city to be an amazingly beautiful city, and we want people to hold up their end of the deal. And I think the idea that the West End Neighborhood Association came together so many years ago, and you were kind of like, hey, we want to keep our area beautiful. I think that's really important to the beautification process of our city. Well, yes, we I agree. And, um, you know, it's a grassroots organization and we tried to start you know from our little core in the in in the city and then we've had other um, neighborhoods to do the same thing and it's just grown each year for other parts of Jonesboro as well so I think um, that's what it's all about we help each other and then it spreads around and um, builds pride for our city which is you know the ultimate goal well, I think you think about that, and I think you know whenever the area is is uh, upkept, you also have higher property values, which means more people want to move to those areas, and there's a there's a lot of benefit to that. Uh, tell me the vision when this all started. Uh, you know, it's looking back like it's going to be you know twelve or thirteen years ago. What was happening, and why did you think this was a necessary thing for the West End neighborhood in Jonesboro? Well, um, the neighborhood is the oldest neighborhood in town, and we've got some, um, you know, generations of people that have um, lived their life here. We know we have lots of people come back and say, oh, I grew up here, or my mm-hmm. grandmother grew up here, and those people, and, you know, they live their life here, and they pass away, and a lot of those, sometimes those houses fall into hard times, or they turn into a rental property that's not maintained, so, and then comes forward when someone moves out and rather than to take the stuff with their belongings with them, it gets left on the street. So we were trying to think of a way to clean up and do something that was positive and it was visual and it gave us energy to continue that. um, I guess that, that goal of making, making this neighborhood a better place and, you know, something to be proud of. And there's lots of history here. We've met lots of older people that have told us great stories. And um, it's, you know, it's where Jonesboro started. And um, we just think it's important um, to have that tie into the downtown area. And when young people are coming to town, they 
their first house, if there's a house, there, there might be a fixer-upper. Or we've got uh, great carpenters and contractors in this neighborhood that have been restoring houses. So we wanted to add to that um, ambiance of um, older homes, trees, and sidewalks. We've got a great park that we've been working on, City Water and Light Park. So it all kind of goes together. Yeah. And I think when you think about, you know, what our city is able to offer on a regular basis, trash pickup and stuff like that, the sanitation department, um, you know, a lot of people have the misconception. You can just take something out there to the road and they'll pick up whatever that is put out there. That doesn't always work like that. So you can't just go out and take a mattress or a, a washing machine or a dryer and put it out at the curb because that's not how that process works for sanitation on a daily basis. Yeah. And they work really hard. We had a, a great, um, champion for us, Mr. Gibson, um, who was the director of sanitation. He, he had an untimely mm-hmm. passing, and um, we know most of those guys that work out there, they they come on Saturday on their day off, and um, Mayor Perrin and Mayor Copenhaver, um, they have embraced or given us the go to continue to do this. So, um, you know, it's a, it definitely a team effort, and uh, we really appreciate it. So the 12th annual Spring Clean is going on this coming Saturday from 7.30 until 11.30. And it looks like there's a drop-off location if people have stuff that they they don't know where to take it, they don't want to go all the way out to a landfill, they can bring it to you all and you're going to help them clean up their neighborhood. Yes, yes. They'll come in on Huntington if they're coming up um, either west. You know, if they're coming up west on Huntington, they'll turn left in this parking lot of the Huntington building, which um, Roy Cooper has his mission outreach church. And we've worked with him for years and he lets us do this. We, the city brings our roll off and then their big boom trucks as those uh, roll offs get full, they keep, you know, taking them to the landfill. So it's a continue, you know, an intense process for four hours trying <laughs> to get rid of all this unwanted um, trash. So, and, the big thing, another big thing, we didn't know what to do about tires years ago, and that was a, we didn't know how to ask, but we finally we asked, and they said, can we do tires? And that's a separate thing, because those have to be disposed of out at the Legacy Landfill. So we usually get over 100 tires wow. each cleanup, and, you know, and those are pretty unsightly, and, you know, they just kind of build up, and sometimes we go door to door and knock on the doors and say, Hey, we're having a cleanup this morning. Do you want to get rid of your tires? We take the, and they say, yes. So we get someone to go pick them up and then we, um, we, you know, clean up the neighborhood pretty easy. So some of the things, give me some ideas on things that can be dropped off. If people come to the Huntington building, what can they bring? Uh, clothes. If there's clothes that are unwanted, um, you know, people come in with trash bags of clothes, there's tires, um, Someone's moving, their chair broke, their mattresses, any kind of furniture, um, televisions. That's always a big one. Some of those big old TVs that people had, they <laughs> don't know how to get rid of them. Right. Computers. Um, now, appliances, um, we have to, you know, like air conditioners, um, get rid of the Freon, drain all that out. And um, We have some um knowledgeable men that know how to do that to disassemble it and then on uh, one part of it goes there and then we have to dispose of the city helps us dispose of the um the waste that is has to go in a special place the freon um paint is always paint cans is always a big one mm-hmm. those have to be emptied out and not have a bunch of paint in them and so we've 
worked on that before with newspaper wicking all that up and getting those cleaned up. Um, The things that we don't accept at this, you know, there's a special time for um, branches and yard debris, and that's usually stacked up on on the side of your house on the curb. And then when the city, you know, your neighborhood has got their uh, regular garbage pickup, you know, I don't know the schedule exactly, but they go around the city and then they'll one month they're doing um, yard debris and then um, no hazmat materials like oil and um, batteries that that that's not accepted. And same thing with auto parts. If you've been doing a construction, um, a remodeling at your home, that's not accepted either. Um, you'd have to make special arrangements. Um, and I think that has to go out to the legacy landfill right. that's on Highway 1. Yep. Um, that's, but anyway, that um, that's how they've divided it. And we've followed these guidelines the whole, you know, the you know for the years we've been doing it, it's worked out um, nicely. So, again, it's the 12th annual spring clean happening this coming Saturday, 730 until 1130. You can drop stuff off at 900 West Monroe, which is known as the Huntington Building. Uh, if there are people out there who maybe they don't have transportation, they have something big and they don't have a truck, is there a way that they can uh, reach out to somebody and you guys can provide help to, let's say it's a mattress, it's in the front yard, there's no truck, but they have no way to get it to you. Is there a way that yes. you guys can help? Yes, Brandon. Um, they can call. Uh, my number is 870-930-5111. is the last part. And give me a ring. And if I don't answer, just leave a message. And I'll uh, return the call and we'll make a list and you know get you on the list to get that picked up. We want to keep Arkansas beautiful, keep Jonesboro beautiful. And again, it's the West End Neighborhood Association and the 12th Annual Spring Clean happening this coming Saturday. Uh, if people want information, is there a spot online they can get more information? Yes, we've got uh, the West End Neighborhood um, Association has um, a Facebook page, uh, West End Neighbors, and then we've also um, tied into the Next Door app. There's lots of neighborhoods that um, participate in that. Mm-hmm. And we also have our website, which is www.westendneighborhoodassociation.org. And we just got that up and going, so we're pretty proud of that too. Everything takes forever, but um, <laughs> we're on we're on the internet, so that's awesome. We're proud of that. Hey, you know, you're doing your part to keep your neighborhood and that part of your community, our community, uh, beautiful. And we appreciate the work that you're doing. We know it's not easy, and you're taking time out of your day and your schedule to do that. But we appreciate the efforts. Thank you so much, Brandon. We we are very grateful for this um, media. And uh, talking to you on the radio this morning, it's, uh, it's um, really, really nice for us to be able to do that, get the word out. There you go. Happy to be able to do it. It's Mary Ellen Warner on the phone with us this morning. Again, the West End Neighborhood Association. Have a great morning. All right. Thank you. You too. Brandon Baxter in the morning. You can go back and listen to today's entire K-Fine Breakfast Club powered by Families, Inc. It's going to be up on the podcast. We do about, I don't know, 20 or 25 minutes with... Dr. Shane Spites, COVID in Arkansas, variants, vaccines. If you only have one dose, what's the what's the risk of you getting COVID? We talk through so much. Yeah, it gets you completely updated on the whole subject. Yeah, and just because we don't wanna we don't have to wear the masks and we don't want to wear the masks and all that stuff, and just because numbers did go down doesn't mean that we're done with this. And I think that's the one thing we learn and 
We kind of learn how we can better handle what's coming up in the summer and the fall. You can check out that entire interview with Dr. Shane Spites on uh, Brandon Baxter in the Morning Podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. So, Kelly Perry, what's on TV tonight? The third episode of Loki on Disney Plus, the second season finale of Kids Say the Darndest Things, the premiere of In the Dark, the $100,000 Pyramid, and the eighth season finale of The Blacklist. All right, hope you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you back here tomorrow morning on Brandon Baxter in the morning.